TuxJam, combining Linux news with Creative Commons goodness. Hello, hello and welcome to TuxJam episode 15. Now I do realise there has been an awfully big gap in between 14 and 15 and for this I do apologise, but I have a big... Uh, what person to blame is that big yellow thing in the sky. Yes, Sun visited the island of Lewis way back then in June and hasn't really left until just late last week. So that has been two and a half months, almost three months, of wall-to-wall sunshine. So in all honesty, that has kept me out of my virtual life and I've probably done a lot more in my real life. I've been enjoying the sun, but winter's approaching again. So, you know, we don't go, tend to do the middle ones. We don't have a spring here. We don't have an autumn here. We get summer, winter. So we're back to winter here. So as I speak now, it's blowing a gale outside and it is pouring rain. So Tux Jam is back. I don't want to call it a new season. I'm not going to go down that route. But the holiday is over. The rain's back on. So that means I'm back in front of the PC. And hopefully we'll have a show that you will enjoy today. Now, so in the uh, coming up, we have got a look. We take a look at Lubuntu, and we have a also Write Type, which is a word processor. We look at a wee simple app that's great called Radio Tree, and on the mobile, we take a look at the Orweb browser. Now then, let's take a wee look at what is out this week and what is of interest, of course, to the TuxJam listeners. Right then, so looking at what's out. We have got Tiny Core Linux. Now, this is 4.6 has been released, and for those of you that don't know, Tiny Core is an absolutely, literally tiny distribution. Yes, you are going to listen to this right, 12 megabytes, right? There are distros that are bigger than that in gigabytes, but we'll not go there. This is not going to give you, obviously, the full Unity desktop with all your favorite normal apps. But you will actually be surprised, if you ever load up TinyCore, just how much it can do for such a small amount of space. So 12 meg, you can, of course, opt for the Core Plus, which is a staggering 65 megabytes. But uh, that's been released. We also have got WatOS, and this is R6. And this is a new Ubuntu-based distribution and it's got it has LXDE as the desktop environment and it's designed for low power and older computers so if you want go and check that out we have got Zorn OS 6.1 and this is called a light and again this is an Ubuntu based distribution on the LXDE desktop hmm seems to be getting a theme here I didn't do this deliberately honestly <laughs> We have got Saline. Now, we reviewed Saline a while back, and if anyone is, hasn't used it, it's a, it's a Debian-based distro, and it comes by default XFCE, but it's one of those things that just works. Everything's there. All of your drivers are there. If you want to do a wee bit like Mepis, uh, MP3s, etc., play straight out of the box, Flash is included, Java's included, all those things. So if you haven't tried it, I would recommend giving it to anybody who's a newbie. Uh, maybe, obviously, don't just hand them the disk. You might have to install it for them, but I would have no problem installing it and then maybe leaving it with minimal input. It's very easy to use and, like I said, nice distro. It does build on Debian stable, I think it is. So I tend to find that stuff was a wee bit too stable for my liking, but that's easy enough to change. And the final one that caught my eye this week is Manwaro Linux 0.8. Now, Manwaro, and this for a change is not De- is not either Ubuntu or Debian based, but this is an Arch Linux based distro. And this features the XFCE desktop. So if you fancy maybe trying out Arch but don't really want to build it, then I recommend taking a wee look. And oh, one that I've just noticed, and I almost missed this one, PC Linux OS 2012.08 has been released. Now, that I think it's been quite a while since I've seen a distro release from the PC Linux OS crew. Not a distribution I've ever used much, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. It's uh, I think what puts me off it is it doesn't come in 64-bit. I think, as far as I remember, it's only... 32-bit. It comes KDE desktop by default, or at least it did, and is built on Mandriva. So, yeah, if you want to go and have we check that out, like I said, links to all these are in the show notes. 
Now, before we go and take a slightly more in-depth look at Lubuntu, let's give a wee bit of music because it's been quite a while. So this is the Sound Statues with Give It Up. sound statues there and if you like them go check them out they're on Gemendo in fact I've got I think all of my tracks tonight bar one uh, which I pre-warn you over is are from Gemendo so if you like any of them head over there links for specific tracks as always will be in the show notes now then for our distro this is probably one that 
Initially, I probably wouldn't have said would have been a ideal tax jam thing. But recently on my holidays, I was away at somebody's house and they had a very, very old computer. However, both this couple, they were in their 70s. They didn't want to actually have anything el buy anything else. So really, I was kind of left with this thing that uh, had not too much power on it at all. In fact, it was very, very slow. It was, I think it was 800 megahertz. Uh, it had 250, 256 MB of RAM. So we're talking this thing's really, really slow. And certainly that 800 megahertz is single processor. It was not dual core or anything like that. So this left me with a challenge. Now they had been using Windows XP and they were sick of it. They had constant problems with it. It was updating and it was actually just way too much for what the machine could really handle because you were switching it on and I kid you not, 45 minutes it took to stop loading up everything. And he said, can you do anything with it? And I was saying, yes, but it means I'm putting a whole new system onto it. He says, I don't care, just try anything. And the problem was I had one day, now not one day to install, one day to install the system and then show them both uh, how this system worked and make sure they were comfortable with it. So I realistically, I had to have this done quickly. So initially, I know a lot of you might be thinking, well, for something that old, use, you know, build up an Arch system, build up a Gen 2 system, build up a Debian system. Yeah, I could have done all that, but that would have taken quite a lot of time. And I had to spend the majority of my time showing them how to use this because they struggled with Windows XP. So I was thinking, I don't know how they're going to take to Linux in general at all. So it was purely a gamble. So I tried first of all Zubun doing a check the stats and note that wasn't going to happen. So I thought, well, I'd like to keep them on a new Ubuntu derivative just purely for easiness sakes. Then there's plenty of support uh, in the community if I ever need to ask a question. Also, pretty much everything's done for you. Everything's there for you with most of the Ubuntu distros. So I thought, right, I've never even tried LXDE, far less Lubuntu, but I'll give Lubuntu a try. And to be honest, I was actually quite impressed with it. I did not realize quite how lightweight it was. It seemed to run quite well. Okay, it's not blisteringly fast. You're not all of a sudden turned this ancient PC into a quad core three gigahertz machine. Don't, don't get me wrong. It still was slow to me, but the difference between that and Windows XP was phenomenal. It started up quickly. There was a bit of, I did notice a bit of a delay. There was a delay with the, just when you started things, took a few seconds to load. Maybe that's just because I'm used to my system. I don't know. But first impressions was it was very nice, a very clean desktop. I really did like it. It's almost kind of reminds me of a slight kind of watered down version of the GNOME 2 desktop. And I can't complain at all. It was very nice. As I said, very lightweight. I didn't actually realize quite how little came with Lubuntu. And maybe that's an LXDE thing. But as far as native apps go, there was uh, Silfeed, which is a email client, and it's actually very simple to use. We set that up, and now, like I said, bear in mind, this is non-computer users in their 70s. So this really was uh, a challenge for me that I, did, I was really going into the unknown here. Silfeed was incredibly easy to use, very easy to set up. They were happy with that. Uh, Chromium was the default web browser, not a problem for most systems, however, I found it was a bit sluggish on an older system, and so I tried, oddly enough, I tried um, Maduri, which I thought, great, this is going to be really, really quick, because it's a nice wee light browser. Maduri had several problems, mainly showed displaying web pages. There was big chunks missing, and I'm not talking about pictures, I'm talking about text, it would just disappear, you, if you refresh the page, Sometimes that would bring it on, but I thought, oh, this isn't really very acceptable. So in the end, I did Chromium and I did, tried Firefox and I tried SeaMonkey. And thankfully, they went for SeaMonkey in the end because it was probably proved the fastest. Actually, surprisingly enough, Firefox on the old system was much faster than Chromium. Chromium really was slow. But there was not an awful lot else with this, though. The, you didn't have an instant messenger. You didn't have a microblogging client. Okay, fair enough. They're not going to use that. But just thinking for your, for the average Linux user, I would say these things might well be, I would have said standard. Uh, as far as graphics went, we had a graphic, empty paint graphic editor and simple scan. That's it. Office. Well, you had Abbey Word and Numeric. 
was supplied for your needs there. You had Osmo, which is a personal organizer, and document viewers for just viewing things like PDFs. Now, Audacious came with it installed, along with No Mem Player, which I was kind of surprised both of them were there. Um, and now, let me think now, was it other things? I really should have my notes in front of me. This is terrible. I have no excuse for this. But there really wasn't an awful lot. That was one thing I really did find quite surprising, was just how bare the system is. So, in all honesty, although I wanted the likes of, or should have, uh, installed a Debian system from scratch, this practically did it for me, but it actually did a lot of the work for me. So I was really quite pleased with that. Uh, it had LX Terminal, LeafPad was the default text editor, uh, the file manager was uh, PC Man FM. Now, I was one thing I was quite pleased at was that in PC Man FM, the 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 last time I reviewed this on Turks Jam, the one problem I said was that it didn't show up partitions. Well, did not have an issue with that this time. Partitions were uh, showing up without me going to look for them, so that really has improved it. Uh, obviously, with the likes of PC Man FM, it does have a limited amount of features. Uh, I'd like to see maybe add a few more, but a few more. But at the end of the day, it is supposed to be. It does what it is. It's a lightweight uh, file manager. If you want something with a bit more features, then there is Nautilus. Or if you want to try Dolphin, you can. Uh, or as my personal favourite, Thuna. But there's plenty to try. Now then, what else do we have? Well, not an awful lot, as I said. The one thing I was quite surprised at was being an Ubuntu derivative. It had an update manager. That didn't surprise me at all. And this came with Synaptic as well installed. But uh, it had an update manager. But there was no, there seemed to be no easy way of setting it up so it checked for updates all the time. Not in the likes of Ubuntu where it says, you know, you've got so many updates, would you like to install them? So in the end, what I had to do is I just put a shortcut on the desktop for them and just said, right, double click on this maybe once a week, update it and your computer should be running a bit better rather than just never updating the thing at all. So that was okay, I mean, that was a workaround. I was glad to see Synaptic on there. They had their own version of the Lubuntu Software Center. So I was quite pleased when I saw that, so brilliant, we can install stuff, no bother. Now, I did actually have problems with this. On their version, the 32-bit version, I had problems in that the only thing that would show up on the Lubuntu Software Center was the installed applications. Couldn't seem to, I could uninstall from there, but I couldn't seem to search for anything. Anything at all just kept on giving me a zero result. If I went into the directories and categories, all I would get was the stuff that was already on the computer. So I found that odd, but this was only on the 32-bit version. When I tried the 64-bit version, I had no such problems. I had plenty of stuff there and, uh, well, it was behaving as I would expect. Now, as far as uh, proprietary drivers go, being typical with the, the Ubuntu, you can go to additional drivers and install the NVIDIA, etc. cards themselves, the drivers themselves for your cards. And I must admit, it runs smoothly. I know people do have issues with them. Uh, personally, I don't have a problem. I do install them purely because I am a gamer and I like full 3D, not a watered-down version, which I, so far I seem to get. If there was a brilliant alternative, I would happily use it. But right now, for me, Nouveau Driver it just simply does not work that well. As far as stuff installed out of the box goes, well, not an awful lot came by default, but when you install the Lubuntu Restricted Extras, you get your MP3 playback capabilities, your Java and Flash, etc. And things seem to work fairly well. So if anybody is thinking about a system for an older machine and you don't have time to load up uh, and build us a Debian system or a Gentoo system or anything like that, then I would probably recommend you try it Lubuntu. Because I, like I said, I can't fault it too much. If you're wanting a, a system where everything's installed and it just works and everything's there for you out of the box, I'd say probably stay away because you do have to install a fair bit. It comes with a very limited set of tools. But at the same time, like I said, might just do what you want. So give it a check out. Now, I think it's about time for a wee bit more music. And this one is another one from Jamendo, Lar Klobse. And this is Promise. 
Now then, one thing just occurred to me while I was listening to that tune there. I didn't actually say how the actual couple got on. Well, to be honest, this was a real one in the eye for the FUD campaigners who say Linux is difficult to use or Linux is only for geeks. Because the couple actually were really impressed. The only thing that does slightly worry me is they kept on saying about they were so impressed they were going to tell their friends who had computers. So I'm worried the next time I go visit them I'm going to have to end up taking a Lubuntu disc with me and end up probably writing a small manual or tutorial or something. So yeah, so it definitely was not something that was difficult for them. This was not even a computer literate couple. I mean, really, one of them could not even browse at the start of the day. The other one could browse and check emails, but couldn't type, showed them all that, those kind of things. And like I said, brilliant. It was so heartwarming just to actually see that because you hear so much from the anti-Linux campaigners that it's difficult to use. It's not difficult to use. At the end of the day, Windows is only used because it comes installed. And I bet you if you gave the average Joe on the street a disk with Windows and a blank computer, most of them probably wouldn't have that much of a clue how to do it, or would they even be that confident? No. I seriously doubt it. So if people are given a working system and it's put in front of them, it just shows you that you do not need to be a geek. So, like I said, one in the eye for the Microsoft Brigade and the Crapple fanboys. But anyway, back onto this. Now, the next thing I found I found this, it's right type, and it's a word processor, a very basic word processor, I must admit. <laughs> and I can't remember how I came across this, but it wasn't difficult to install when I did find it. In fact, it was in the, it was in the Ubuntu repos, and I installed it through the Ubuntu Software Center. And it's a very, very simplistic word document, uh, uh, sorry, word processing document writer. So we've got really not an awful lot. It opens up nice light, nice blue border and the emblems are pretty basic. I'll give you, this is now, this is with me having all the tools on, right? You've got open, save, save as, print, bold, italic, underline, left align, center align, highlight, highlight mode, font size, font, and speak text and stop. Now, I have to admit, I did try the speak text and it never once worked for me. So I tried a few different things, but I didn't go into it in any depth. Now, when you actually start typing anything, it actually comes up with a whole... It looks like there's the window's too small. There's a big area at the side on your right-hand side that's just been left. Words start appearing there, a wee bit like predictive text. So you can start typing and it tries to kind of predict what you've got. And it gives you a whole list of options. It's quite nice in that respect. And then, if you actually misspell something, it's you don't have to right-click on it. It tells you it's got a thing the same way as most other uh, word processors do. It gives you a red line underneath it. But it tells you straight away its lists of options. With It also has got... Uh, oh, my, my uh, tongue's in a twist here. What do you call it? A punctuation checker. Yeah, yeah, had a senior moment there. It also has a punctuation checker, and one thing I quite liked about this is that when you actually right-click on it, it tells you the actual thing. Now, not in some fancy jargon, it's in proper English. So if you type in 
the first letter, the first word of a sentence, and it's not got a capital letter, you right-click, and it will actually say the words, uh, the first letter of a sentence should be a capital. This makes me think that this was actually probably written either by a primary teacher or somebody who had written, who had uh, spent a lot of time uh, with a lot of young children, because this is where this would be ideal. Do I think this could easily become my default word processor? Absolutely not. It is so, so basic. Uh, it really is for somebody who's just learning out the English language, maybe learning to write for the first time, or maybe who's just spelling is very poor and they want to actually see the different spellings of different words quickly rather than right-clicking and being given an option or clicking the spell checker. Uh, it can only type. You cannot input stuff into it. There is no options to insert clip art or pictures. I tried uh, copying and pasting off a, a picture that I had. It wouldn't do anything. In fact, it just kind of looked at me confusedly more than anything else and then just kind of froze for five seconds and then stopped. But then it came back on. So really, this is purely an electric typewriter here you've got, right? This is not a replacement for OpenOffice Writer or LibreOffice Writer. This is most definitely a lot more basic. I'd say it's somewhere in between. It's not quite as basic as Notepad uh, or any just basic text editor, but it's nowhere near in the realms of a full word processor. Where do I think it's good? If you have children, brilliant. If you have somebody maybe learning English for the first time, again, this would be a great tool. But it is basic. You won't get very much out fancy stuff out of it. The... In fact, even in my case, the fonts, for some reason, you clicked and half the time, that was one bug I noticed about it, half the time it would come up that you only had one font. Other times, it would give you your whole thing of fonts, so I'm not quite sure whether that's a, a bug they know about. Maybe I should actually submit a bug report, but it just seems... Uh, such actually a simple thing that I would have thought that fonts are changed quickly. But you know, they usually do. If you click on the font change, if it doesn't change the first time, click on it again, you get it a second time. So check that out. Especially recommended for anybody involved with education of young children or if you have a young child yourself. That is right type. I think you can pretty much tell the fact that it's a doodled W and a doodled T with that have incorporated smiley faces into it. That is the logo for this. That's the wee icon. You can probably tell it's not really for serious uh, novelists or professional writers. Uh, more like a bit of fun. But it's good to see these kind of programs. Not everybody needs a full office suite. It's good to see that there's still a place in the system for these. And yeah, like I said, check it out if you have children or you can maybe recommend it to a, a teacher, specifically a primary school teacher. Uh, but apart from that, if you want something to enter into this year's NaNoWriMo competitions, I'd probably say look elsewhere. This one isn't for you. Now then, I've probably waffled for long enough. So we've had two fairly chilled out tracks. So this one's going to rock it up a wee bit. This is Crimson Sun with Don't Care.
And now I want to turn our attention to a nice wee simple app that I have to thank uh, Gordon Sinclair, who most of you will probably know better as Thistleweb on Identica, uh, who's also uh, the, my co-host with Cribbins. He recommended a brilliant wee app called Radio Tree. Well, he knows that I quite like listening to music, and especially radio streams, and also live podcast streams. Now, this is just one of these things. It's not a fancy tool. It does something particularly well. First of all, it's not actually a main big program in itself. It drops a symbol into your uh, system tree, and it just looks. It actually looks like the Wi-Fi connection, Wi-Fi button on a laptop. That's all. It looks like small silver and blue icon, and by default, it gives you uh, jazz, Latin, classic, classic rock, pop rock, oldies, chill, country, techno, electric. By d and each of these come with about six pod six uh, different radio streams in. Now, okay, that's not a heck of a lot, especially given the amount of radio internet radio stations that are out there. But it does give you a nice wee variety. And personally, I would like to maybe see a bit more towards my tastes. But then again, I like a heck of a lot. But there's uh, no metal in there, which which did kind of annoy me. Uh, but I did quite like the classic rocks. So it's very very easy to add as well individual radio stations so if you've got favorite streams like one of the things first things that i listened to was the live feed of the bugcast now of course that's not going to be on all the time but on a friday night it's great click and all you need to do is turn on radio 3 and then what else just go to well i've saved under podcasts and then the bugcast that is it you get it streamed straight away no big programs on the background. This is going to be an awful lot lighter than the likes of running uh, Clementine or Rhythmbox or Banshee or anything like that in the background. It is so, so simple. How do you add things? Well, all you do is nice and easy. Preference, configure radios. Then it asks you, do you want to create a new group, which you can, or you can just put it straight into the sub-menu, uh, just straight into the top menu. So... I did one for local radio stations, so I just added that, and then I added a variety of different Scottish ones. And, like I said, it works. It's nothing fancy. It certainly is not going to be winning any awards anytime soon. It's probably not even going to catch the eye of most people. In fact, some people would probably look at it and go, this is kind of pointless. But I can tell you, if you listen to internet radio, it's not. It's a nice wee system, a nice wee application, sorry. Fits well in the system, and it just works. You know, it's one of those things, it'll probably never ever be updated, and if it does, good. If not, I'm not going to be too bothered, because it really doesn't actually need updating. <laughs> so, that may be kind of stating the obvious, but if you listen to internet radio, then I would strongly recommend this app. And it's, the one good thing is you can really create your own customized playlist, so you can quickly call them at any time. It doesn't have to be 24-7 radio. Like I said, the Bugcast is actually only live for maybe two hours a week. That's it. But it still works, not a problem. It does have a streaming problem sometimes with PLS playlist files. Uh, so I have had problems. However, with some radio stations, when I have had the PLS and it didn't work, all I did was choose one of the other streams, so the real player or sadly to say Windows Media Player, they both worked quite well. So just be wary of that. If one doesn't work, try a different one. And like I said, for me it worked fine. I did have a problem initially, one of the Bugcast ones, and it kept on telling me that the Bugcast wasn't on. And I'm saying, I know fine well it's on, because I'm actually listening to it on a different application. But then tried, tried the other stream, because Bugcast has two streams, and that one worked. So... It's good. Obviously, it's it's not perfect. Hopefully, they'll get these weekend of things ironed out. But at the same time, don't expect too much. It is just one of these nice wee programs. And I think pretty much anybody listening to this show will be able to use it because it does not, and I mean not, use up much memory at all. So go check that out. Now then, speaking of music, let's have a wee bit more. And this one is uh, Tommy Tusa. I don't want to cry.
wish I was her man She tells me how she feels alone And often dreams of romance And she said tonight, Tommy Toussaint, was the only one that was not taken from Jermaine Doe. So that one was actually taken from Bad Panda Records. So if you want to hear more of him, go check it out there. Links, as always, in the show notes. Now, we are going to move from the desktop over to the Android phone. And this is a browser that I hadn't actually tried much of before, and it's Orweb. And why is this one particularly standing out? Because it's specifically, I think, the only browser that comes configured by default to use Tor. And in this internet day of spying and trolls, etc., who doesn't need more privacy? Now, how does it behave? Because I found a lot of browsers before really slow down to snail's pace with Tor and almost kind of make it unusable. Well, I can't say that for this. The speed of it was quite good. I really was quite surprised it did not affect the overall connection speed very much at all. It did affect it a wee bit, but not very much. Now, as far as the browser itself goes, my word, it is really basic. So, I mean, obviously this is kind of fairly still early stages of development, but it really is basic. There's no tabs. You can only have one one web page open at a time. You just click on, you can type in go. You can click on go, and that will take you to whatever you want, whatever the web address you've typed in. You can go forward, you can go back, you can reload the page, or you can go to settings. And I'm not kidding you, that's it. As far as behaving with the other plugins, etc., it seemed to behave with... I did try it with Flash, although I don't have Flash on my phone anymore. Uh, I did try it, I briefly installed Flash, gave it a try, it worked. So if you really wanted to, you can do that. Uh, you can, and as far as the setting goes... You can. It's mainly to do with privacy settings. The only thing you can really do is you can choose to not load the images by default. You can choose to enable or disable JavaScript. That's actually disabled by default. Set the home page. Now, you can in 
fact, put in your own proxy settings and choose your own proxy ports. You can choose what user agent it is. Now, this one was quite odd because the, the range of options are not as maybe straightforward as I'd normally expect. Usually, what I would expect is Android or desktop. Well, this one actually has Android, the default one. You can choose to be an iPhone, a Nokia, a BlackBerry, Firefox 5 or IE8. don't know why the heck anybody would want to claim they were using IE anything. Oh, but anyway, that's the options to have. So you can, and the other things are clear your cookies, etc. And you can choose to block all cookies, things like that. So this is a browser that's been set up with a lot of privacy in mind, as you would expect from anything that is designed to run Tor. Now, please be warned that when you are actually using this, you will need to install the Tor agent as well with it. Now, I didn't, I wasn't actually made aware of that when I installed it on F-Droid. So instead, if you have the Play Store, go to the Play Store and it'll tell you exactly, it says, this will not work without this. Because if you install it, it will install, but just nothing will connect ever and you'll be constantly left with unable to connect to the internet, unable to connect. Uh, so, like I said, worthwhile, definitely worthwhile if you want uh, to use Tor on the mobile phone. I will give you one piece of advice though. Disable your email uh, your email client because I had K9 on this. I still have K9 on this. And the problem was every single email that K9 was uh, syncing to, which were basically all my emails, it they all blocked me and they all forced me to change passwords. So this was a bit of a problem because they all claimed, oh, it's someone from our undefined uh, destination has tried to access it. We've blocked this and we've disabled your password. So I had to do this with every single one of my emails. So uh, that is one thing I would recommend. Do not use this if you're going to be using your email client. Again, performance-wise, very happy. As far as features go, apart from outside of the privacy settings, I really think this still needs new features before I would even consider using it as my default browser. But because I deal mainly through the phone with all my email emails, etc., I would probably not use this. In fact, I've already actually taken it off, to be honest, just so I could actually get back to using my phone uh, for my emails. So. If you do that, if you don't use your emails through your phone, by all means, check it out. If privacy is a big thing, then I would highly recommend it. Performance is good. They really have tweaked that. I think we need a bit more features. So, guys, yes, you will, it will run Flash if you really wanted to. I hate Flash on the phone. It's a, mem it's a memory hog and also a battery hog. Oh, it's terrible. But in saying that, it runs nicely. I would just like to see a wee bit more Sparkle to help this, not even stand out from the crowd, but even maybe get to the level as the crowd, because the majority of phone browsers now, or on, certainly on the ones I've tested, do still use tabbed browsing, so you can have two or three open at the same time. But, like I said, that's only down to personal preference. I like that, but it might not be to everybody's tastes. Now then, a wee bit more music, and for this we are going back to Jumendo, and this is Reduced Romantics, and this is Brain Science. Study, sign up for some kind of course. 
brings us to the feedback section of the show and sadly as you though regular listeners know this is now the last segment of the show but not a problem no worries we will be back soon in fact uh, i can pretty much guarantee september october november time will not be anywhere near as hot as it was or even dry as it was over the summer months so tux jam will be back on a more regular basis i am sorry for the long layoff by the way now while recently, while I was on this break, I did actually talk with the guys from the Music Manumit podcast. And that one there is, I'll even show the notes in the, the link in the show notes, should I say. And I was on 120819, which is actually just the date. Nothing too exciting. They haven't actually done over 120,000 podcast shows. But that was like actually a great yarn we had that day. And it's it's a good show if you take a listen to it. And if you actually enjoy the show, I would actually recommend you listen to the episode before mine where they actually had Wayne Myers from Fitting the Conniptions on there. So I recommend checking that out. Uh, now, on my long hiatus there, I did get an awful lot of feedback from people and just saying, is Tux Jam dead? What's the story with it? And glad to say, no, it's not dead. Uh, but I am truly, truly uh, grateful for all the feedback I received because I honestly didn't realize that many people listened to Tux Jam, so it was nice to know I was missed. And hopefully it won't be too long before the next show's out and, like I said, we can make this more regular. Remember, I don't want to get to the point where I'm saying I'm doing this fortnightly or monthly because it is just as and when I get the chance to. I'm already doing a weekly show with Cribbins and I, what I don't want to do is burn myself out and then eventually just take a break from everything. That's what I don't want to happen. So... Hopefully, you'll put, you, my loyal and patient listeners, will put up with me, and we'll get a show out, another show out very soon. So hopefully, you enjoyed that. One thing that I would say, and I would really, really like, please do this. Would you please start recommending not so much music, because I listen to Creative Commons music pretty much all day, even when I'm at work, I listen to it. But I'm not getting much of a chance to actually try out a lot of new pieces of software, especially not the unknown stuff. So what I'd like you to do is recommend any piece of software, as long as it's Creative Commons, uh, nonsense, Creative Commons for music, as long as it's open source, then I don't mind. So 
anything. It could be as small as like what Gordon mentioned there, Radio 3. That's just a tiny wee program. Or it could be a full office suite I've not heard of. Right? Especially if you know there's one in the making. Okay, I personally, you do use LibreOffice as much as I can, but at the same time, I'm up for trying pretty much anything. I mean, I tried that one earlier, typewrite, and okay, it's not for me, but it does have a purpose in this life. There is a use for it. So please, no matter how small or large you think it is, as long as it's open source, I would really appreciate you emailing me these. Or even just dent it and put the tag, the hashtag TuxJam, or there's a group, actually join the group, uh, on Identica and post it in there. So you can also catch me on uh, Diaspora. I'm kevy at joindiaspora.com and as well as uh, the Liberty Project. I'm kevy there as well. The, we have a Unseen Studio account which will post to join Diaspora or so say Diaspora, Identica and Twitter. However, that is purely for announcements, so don't stand, uh, don't start uh, having a wee yarn with us there because that one, if you want a yarn with me, just do it at Kevy. But I am not at Kevy on Twitter. Somebody was saying that to me the other day. I, I messaged you on Twitter and you didn't respond. Well, the reason is that's not me. And I have never been on Twitter, and I don't have any future plans to go on Twitter. Thank you very much. But one last thing I'd like to say before I sign out. Another way, apart from emailing me, which is you can just do that at kevy at unseenstudio.co.uk. Another way is I set up a pirate pad. So the pirate pad is piratepad.net forward slash tuxjam. So if you've got any songs, any software and like that, pop on there and leave, uh, leave the name of it and also please don't forget to leave the link that's the only other thing I'd like to point out so I don't think I've got anything else left so like I said hopefully you've enjoyed this return I'm not, I'm not going to go down the route of calling it season 2 right? I really want to avoid that so this has been Tux Jam episode 15 we're bringing it to a close with Plastic 3 and this is Commercial High Tech Music so a nice bit of a kind of electro instrumental stuff here just to send you off. So if this is late on at night, you can have a wee doze off to this. Anyway, I shall be catching you in the next episode of Crivens, which will be the big 3-0. Wow, Crivens 30 and Tuxjump 16. Okay, if you haven't checked out the new website, please do. It's still a work in progress. I haven't got the graphics on there yet, but it's casts.unseenstudio.co.uk. So until next time, adios.
You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.